Well, good morning, church. Thank you all for joining us today, and I look forward to a great day of worship on this beautiful Easter Sunday morning. I want to thank these guys for coming in today and providing the music for us and for all the ones in the back recording and making it possible for us to enjoy this service at home. You there with your families, I want you to sing with us today as we rejoice and celebrate our risen Lord. Let's start together with Victory in Jesus. I heard an old, old story How a Savior came from glory How he gave his life on Calvary To save a wretch like me I heard about his groaning Of his precious blood's atoning Then I repented of my sins And won the victory For victory in Jesus My Savior forever He sought me and bought me With his redeeming blood He loved me ere I knew him And all my love is due him He plunged me to victory Beneath the cleansing flood I heard about his healing Of his cleansing power blind to see and then I cried dear Jesus come and heal my broken spirit and somehow Jesus came and brought to me the victory oh victory in Jesus my Savior forever he sought me and bought me redeeming blood he loved me ere I knew him and all my love is due him he plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood I heard about a mansion he has built for me in glory and I heard about streets of gold beyond the crystal sea about the angels singing and the old redemption story and some sweet day i'll sing up there the song of victory oh victory in jesus my savior forever he sought me
to Calvary, where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, my Savior on that cursed tree. His body bound and drenched in tears, they laid him down in Joseph's tomb. The entrance sealed by heavy stone, Messiah still and all alone. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise his name forevermore. For endless days we will sing your praise. Oh, Son of heaven rose again, oh trampled death, where is your sting? The angels roll for Christ the King, oh praise the sun shall pierce the night and I will rise among the saints my gaze transfixed on Jesus face oh praise the name. 
church thank you so much for your faithfulness to honor the lord with his ties and our love gifts even in this time of uncertainty when people are laid off of work people are uncertain about what the future is going to be praise god we know who holds the future and because of that i just want to brag on our airline baptist church family because you've been so faithful to help us meet every need one of the ways that you're 
tithes and offerings goes to support ministries here locally is through the Good Samaritan Food Pantry at our Chattahoochee Baptist Association. With so many people out of work, it's important that they keep a well-stocked pantry. Every time you give to Airline Baptist Church, you're helping to meet needs like that and the needs of thousands of Southern Baptist missionaries around the world. You can go on our webpage at airlinebaptist.org slash give and give through PushPay there. You can text the word Airline Baptist, that's all together with no space, at 77977, or of course you can mail it here to the church on White Sulphur Road. So thank you so much, church, for your faithfulness to honor the Lord. The Lord will be pleased and we will be blessed. Thanks so much.
indeed. Isn't it awesome, y'all, to get to hear our choir and orchestra again, a blast from the past to kind of whet our appetite and make us look forward to the time that we'll gather back in this building. This building is empty today, uh, much like the tomb was empty on that very first Easter morning, but forever, forever he is glorified. We adopted the, uh, the hashtag, if you will, for this Easter season of victory. We all like to win. Nobody likes to lose. It's been said that second place is really just the first loser. I don't know if that's a good thing to say or not, but we want to win. Um, the disciples had abandoned everything. They left their families, they left their jobs to follow this carpenter from Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth. They'd abandoned everything to do that. They trusted the Old Testament prophecies that talked about the fact that a victorious Messiah was going to come one day. And in many ways, they looked forward to that thinking that he would deliver them from the oppression there of the Roman government. They'd given up everything. And then, as you know the story, one of his own, one of his own disciples, Judas Iscariot, sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. At that time, that was the price of a common slave. So Jesus was arrested by the pseudo-religious leaders. They put him on a mock trial with false testimony. You could even say it was the first case of fake news, if you will. It was fake news. They lied about the things that Jesus had done. And for those that were his followers, it seemed like 
all hope was gone. They put all that they had into following this man, looking forward to victory. But now he's put on trial because of this one who had betrayed him. And then Peter and the others started to go into hiding. They signed up to follow a victor, not a defeated person who was going on trial. Look, at, look if you will, at Mark's gospel, chapter number 15. Mark chapter 15 and verse number 16. The soldiers took Jesus into the courtyard of the governor's headquarters called the Praetorium and called out the entire regiment. They dressed him in a purple robe and they wove thorn branches into a crown and put it on his head. Then they saluted him and taunted, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him on the head with a reed stick. They spit on him. They dropped to their knees in mock worship. When they were finally tired of mocking him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him again. Then they led him away to be crucified. This certainly does not sound like a victorious king. And it's easy for us 2,000 years later to, to look at that and to judge them for walking away from the Messiah. But I've got to wonder if all of us today were in that situation and we saw the one that we thought was going to bring victory put on trial and going to be crucified. I expect we probably would turn our backs on him as well. You remember the story, they laid open his back with the cat of nine tails, a whip that had pieces of bone and a lead-tipped whip, and they ripped open the flesh on his back, and then they nailed him to an old rugged cross. Crucifixion, as you know, was the most inhumane punishment for the most vile of all criminals, and yet Jesus, the spotless, sinless Lamb of God, was crucified on that old rugged cross because of my sins and because of your sins as well. Look at Luke chapter 23. The Bible tells us that two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to the place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross ponder that for just a minute we've heard that our whole lives we just kind of go by it can you imagine being nailed to a piece of wood they nailed him to the cross and the criminals were also crucified one on his right and one on his left drop down to verse 44 by this time it was about noon and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock Imagine, if you will, what should be the brightest time of the day was pitch black dark, almost as if God was saying, I don't want people looking on the suffering of my son. Verse 45, the light from the sun was gone, and suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle from top to bottom. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last it was his last for the time being. Verse 47, when the Roman officer overseeing the execution saw what had happened, he worshiped God and said, surely this man was innocent. Verse 49 says, but Jesus' friends, including the women who followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching. Could it really be that Jesus had breathed his last? Could it be that his father had forsaken him, turned his back on his son, despising our sin? All hell seemed to whisper, just forgetting he's dead. They knew he was dead. It is finished, is what they heard him say. They'd watched as his life ebbed away. Then they all stood around as the guards took him down. Joseph begged for his body that day. It was late afternoon when they got to the tomb. They wrapped his body and sealed up the grave. I can only imagine how they must feel because his death was so real. 
Look at Luke 23 and verse 50. Now there was a good and righteous man named Joseph. He was a member of the Jewish high council, but he had not agreed with the decision and actions of the other religious leaders. He was from the town of Arimathea in Judea, and he was waiting for the kingdom of God to come. He went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Then he took the body down from the cross and wrapped it in a long sheet of linen cloth, and he laid it in a new tomb that had been carved out of rock. This was done on Friday afternoon, the day of preparation, as the Sabbath was about to begin. As his body was taken away, the women from Galilee followed and saw the tomb where his body was placed. Then they went home and prepared spices and ointments to anoint his body. But by the time they were finished, the Sabbath had begun, so they rested as required by the law. At that time, surely many of these ragtag followers of Jesus thought, This was the end. It looked like anything but victory at that moment. So they went into hiding with all their dreams of victory being shattered. What they forgot was that Jesus had promised them that this was going to happen. He had promised them that he would come back to life. Go back to Mark chapter 9 and verse 31. Here's where Jesus told them. He said to them, this is prior to the crucifixion, the son of man is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies. He will be killed, but three days later, he he will rise from the dead. After this happened to Jesus, it was just simply too unbelievable for them. Although they'd seen him raise Lazarus and others from the dead, for some reason they couldn't accept the fact that he could raise himself from the dead. Luke chapter 24 and verse 1. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb taking the spices they prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified. I probably would have been too. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples. It says 11 because remember Judas had betrayed him and hung himself and everyone else what had happened. This, ladies and gentlemen, was a game changer. This was a game changer. There's a big plot shift here. They looked to him for victory. They thought all their hopes of victory had dashed. And then they realized that he really did tell them that he would rise from the dead. The gospel in a nutshell is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 3, where the apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth says, I passed on to you what was most important. The gospel is of utmost importance. And what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. Drop down to verse 56. For sin is the sting that results in death, and we're all sinners, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, thank God, here's that word, he gives us what? 
Say it with me. Victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, my dear brothers and sisters, because of that victory, because of the empty tomb, be strong and immovable. King James says, be steadfast, immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Jesus stepped on the face of Satan, and he crushed his face when he resurrected himself from the dead, guaranteeing our victory. Let's talk about that victory for our remaining time together. Airline Baptist Church, you were emailed an outline that you can follow along at home. I watched my wife do that at home last week. Follow along on your outline. If you don't have an outline, just write this down. Number one, his resurrection gives me victory over my sin. His resurrection gives me victory over my sin. Now, don't look at me like you're spiritual because the Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God because God is perfect and God is holy. Anything less than that is sin. The things that I ought not to do that I've done, that's sin. The things that I should have done that I didn't do, that's sin. And that separates me from God. You see, there is a price tag to our sin. We're not going to get away with that forever. You may get away with that for a little while, but the scripture says, be sure your sins will find you out. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin, the price tag, the paycheck, if you will, what we deserve for being sinners is death and separation from God forever. But the free gift of God, don't you love a gift? You don't have to work for it. You don't have to earn it. It is a gift. All you do is receive a gift. The free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I love what the Bible says in Romans 5.8, but God demonstrated or God proved his love toward us and by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners think about that when Jesus died on that old rugged cross he knew the junk I would do he knew all the times that I would disappoint him and let him down but yet he stayed on the cross for my sins for Mike's sins you see ladies and gentlemen it wasn't the spikes it wasn't the nails that kept him on that cross it was his love for the father and obedience to the father and his love for sinners like me and just like you, because he knew that all of us would sin and fall short of the glory of God. First Corinthians 15 is known in Scripture as the resurrection chapter of Scripture. First Corinthians 15:17 says, "If Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. Had he not been raised, had he not gone through with the crucifixion, had he called 10,000 angels to come and get him off that cross, he had the power to do that as the Son of God, but he didn't do that. Because had he done that, I would still be in my sins. Romans chapter 6 that we looked at in our life groups online last week says, We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. When we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. We were set free from the power and the penalty of sin. That is victory, ladies and gentlemen. Because of the empty tomb, I have victory over my sins. You see, it's not good enough when people say, well, I just can't help it. They just make me so mad I couldn't help it. That's a lie. 
When you say Duras, my family came over from Ireland. We were the Oduras. When people say, well, I'm just Irish, and Irish people have a short temper, that is not good enough. Jesus died to give us victory. You can help it. And by the way, nobody makes me sin. You say, well, she made me so mad. He made me do it. No, the only time Mike sin is when Mike chooses to sin. People may tempt me, but every time I sin, that's on me. And Jesus died to give me victory over that sin. Romans chapter 8, my favorite chapter in all the word of God says, despite all these things, overwhelming victory. There's that word again. Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. Because of his resurrection, y'all, I got victory over my sins, and you can too. Write this down, number two. His resurrection gives me victory over my past. His resurrection gives me victory over my past. And if you feel haunted by the sins of your past, I know sometimes I do. I've been humbled in recent weeks as we're in quarantine and none of us can come to church and we're watching from home. I've been humbled at how many of my friends from my high school have been watching online and commenting that you're watching our church services online. I'm reminded you know my past. I'm reminded you know the things that we, me and you both, that we did at the Anchor Flint on the weekends and the Niger Plantation and all that junk, you know about my sins. And sometimes the devil likes to remind me of that. But because of the empty tomb, I don't live in the guilt of my past. I can't go back in time and achieve that victory. But check this out. Jesus already did when he stepped out of that grave. That's when he achieved my victory over my sin and over my past. Second Corinthians 5.17 puts it this way, that anybody, anybody who belongs to Christ has become a new person the old is gone the old life is gone a new life has begun i don't have to live in the guilt of my past i don't have to live in the guilt of my sins because jesus stepped out of that tomb alive and he's still alive today y'all jesus doesn't care what you've done before how you've rebelled or how you've slammed the door on him he just knows what he wants to do in and through you so when the devil starts to bring up your past the way he does mine we just need to put a no fishing sign over that no fishing here devil and listen when the devil starts to remind you of your past why don't we remind him of his future because he is a defeated foe the devil knows his time is limited that's why his activity on this earth i think is at an all-time high because he knows that we're living in the fourth quarter he knows god's given us the two-minute prophetic warning and time is running out for the devil he gives me victory over my sin he gives me victory over my past and number three write this down his resurrection gives me victory for today isn't that encouraging his resurrection gives me victory for today we're living in probably what is the most difficult times of our lives i mean in my whole lifetime i've never been in an empty church for easter for resurrection sunday There's so many people that I know that have been laid off work. They've lost their jobs. They wonder how they're going to feed their family. I have three friends that I know personally, three friends of mine, none of them here in Gainesville, who have been struggling with this COVID-19 virus. Two of my brothers, one in Brazil, describes how difficult it is for them to breathe. And they're younger men than I am. People are living in fear of that. We're locked in our homes, much like they were on that first resurrection morning. We're told that unemployment could exceed exceed anything that we've seen in our lifetime. 
people struggle to find the basics like hand sanitizer and antibacterial wipes. I use that to clean my CPAP, my breathing machine I sleep with every night. You can't find antibacterial wipes. And even basics like toilet paper people are struggling to find that. Listen, because of the empty tomb, I got victory over that mess. I've got victory for today. Romans chapter 8 and verse 18 in the King James, Paul says, for I reckon, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time, unemployment, fear about tomorrow, fear about a paycheck, not finding the basic necessities of life. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. I got victory over today, not just my sin and my past, but Jesus died and raised himself from the dead so that you can have victory for this day. And I love the book of Philippians. In fact, beginning next Sunday, we're going to begin a 10-week verse-by-verse journey through the book of Philippians. Anytime I get down in my life personally, I start to feel that dark cloud come over my head. You know what I'm talking about? Some people it's depression. For some of us, it's just discouragement. But anytime I feel that happening to me, I always run to the book of Philippians. Philippians is the book of joy. Paul takes those four chapters and he writes about how to have joy in troubled times. And Paul was writing, by the way, from a Roman jail cell. If he can have joy in circumstances like that, I can have joy quarantined at my home during these times of uncertainty. Philippians 4.19 says, And this same God who takes care of me, Paul writing from jail to the church at Philippi, says he'll supply all your needs from his glorious riches, not from Kroger or Publix or from Amazon's riches, but from his glorious riches. He'll provide all of our needs which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. And my life verse, the verse that I hang my hat on, the verse that I throw my arm over like a drowning man on the sea of life over a a life preserver or an inner tube. And we know, I don't think, I don't hope, I don't pray or wish, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. I love the song that our friend Karen Peck in New River sings, whatever comes my way, still my soul will say, I am blessed. On my worst day as a Christian, it sure beats my best day as a lost man. His resurrection gives me victory over my sin. His resurrection gives me victory over my past. His resurrection gives me victory for today. And write this down, number four. His resurrection guarantees my future victory. He guarantees my future victory. It's why I say all the time, the best is yet to come. I believe the best is yet to come for Airline Baptist Church. I believe the best is yet to come for me as a child of God, whether I get to see that on this earth or it's in eternity with him one day. Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11 The prophet Jeremiah writing to the nation of Israel, and I think you can extrapolate those principles into the New Testament for us. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know, God's not scratching his head trying to figure stuff out, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. We live in perhaps an all-time high of worry with this current situation of a worldwide plague and a worldwide pandemic. Pandemic. And Paul says in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 20, for me, living means living for Christ. Dying, well, hey, y'all, that's even better. 
One of our good friends here, a retired pastor, Noel Connolly, said to me early on in this pandemic, he said, Mike, what's the worst thing that can happen to us anyway? We get the virus and we die and we go to heaven. So the worst thing is really the best thing if you're a child of God, because Paul says dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. Here's what he's saying. The bottom line is we win. We cannot lose. Our victory is guaranteed and our victory is secure because of that empty tomb. And listen, the best is yet to come. Jesus, when he cautioned his disciples that he was going away and they were saddened to hear that he was going to go away. In John chapter 14 and verse 1, Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms or many mansions. If not, Jesus said, I would have told you. I'm going away to prepare a place for you. If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. And then Jesus says, you know the way to where I'm going. Lord, Thomas said, Thomas the doubter, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way. He's not a good way. He's not the best way. He's the only way. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. On Good Friday, when they crucified Jesus on that old rugged cross, it seems that all hope was gone. All their hopes and dreams of victory seemed to be shattered. It's kind of like between Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday morning. We're living in days of difficulty, that period of time between Good Friday. But ladies and gentlemen, just like the first disciples, we can hold on because Sunday's coming. The resurrection proves that he has secured the victory of my future. We got the benefit of knowing the rest of the story. We've read the whole book, and those men did not know the whole book at that time. They were living it out. So in these days of sadness and fear between Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday, Sunday, victory was building, victory was mounting. So as we live in these days of uncertainty and these days of sadness, hang on because Sunday, Resurrection Sunday for you, your ultimate hope in eternity with Jesus, the one who died for our sins, is coming. And because of that victory, because of the empty tomb, we look at the first two sermons we preached in this time of quarantine that faith is greater than our fears. And it's not just the concept of having faith and believing something. No, it's the object of our faith. The object of our faith is the one that died on that old rugged cross. The object of our faith is the one that stepped out of that empty tomb to secure our victory. So faith is stronger than fear. Life is stronger than death. The best is yet to come. Look at your conclusion there on your outline. Write this down, number one. Rather than focus today on our empty churches, let's focus on the victory of the empty tomb. Let's focus on the victory of the empty tomb. I'm so used to seeing the little boys and the little girls dressed in their Easter finest running through these hallways and throughout our church. Seeing people up in this choir loft, packed out, lifting their voices in praise to the Father. And instead, it's me and two guys in the sound booth preaching today. I don't want to get so caught up on my disappointment of not being able to worship with my church family. What we need to be focusing on is the empty tomb. Not the empty church, but the empty tomb. Number two, are you trusting Christ for all of your needs? See, the Bible said, we read it earlier from Philippians, my God shall supply all of your needs. Are you trusting God in these days of uncertainty to meet all of your needs? Because of the victory of the resurrection, you can. 
And then number three, who do you need to tell? Who do I need to tell? Who do you need to tell? Who do we need to encourage about this victory of the resurrection? You say, well, Mike, I can't go door to door and talk to people. We can talk to people in our neighborhood. You say, well, I can't, I can't go knock on somebody's door. You can call somebody up. Listen, you can do just what I'm doing today. Video your personal testimony. Video what the resurrection means to you. Do that today. Carve out a few minutes today. Take out that iPhone, that smartphone, whatever you've got. Video what Jesus means to you on this Resurrection Sunday. Share your faith and put it on the World Wide Web. Listen, we're having more people tune in on the World Wide Web than we ever have on any Sunday morning here at church. You can do the same thing and touch thousands of people by putting your faith in Jesus, your testimony on your own web page today, on the internet, on Facebook, on Twitter, whatever you choose to do. Who do you need to tell about the victory of the resurrection? And then number four, are you walking in that victory? Are you walking in the victory of the resurrection? Listen, I've still got a paycheck coming in. I've not lost my job. My pantry is full. My wife and I are blessed. We have food. We have all of the necessities, even toilet paper at our house. But I know many of you watching today, you don't. The supplies are running low. There are things that you need, and you wonder how you're going to feed your family. Listen, God has promised to provide every need. When you put your faith, your hope, and your trust in Jesus, you can just know. You might not see how it's possible today, but I'm telling you, victory for you is coming. And so we had to walk in the victory of the resurrection. Boy, if I had a dollar for every time I heard my sweet little granny play that hymn at Sharon Baptist Church in Cordell, Georgia, oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me. And he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me long before I ever knew him. And all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath that cleansing flood. And because he lives, because that tomb is empty, this guy right here, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know, I know he holds my future and my life is worth the living just because he lives. We've got that victory, ladies and gentlemen, because he came up out of that grave and he lives today nothing could hold him kill or control him he just pushed death out of the way he came up out of the grave my conqueror and more and though once he allowed it my jesus won't be pushed anymore do you know jesus as the lord and savior of your life listen it's no accident that you stumbled across some country preacher preaching a simple gospel message like this jesus came out of that tomb for you jesus came out of that tomb so that you could have victory you say preacher i don't know that listen we said it earlier why did he have to come and die because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god it took a perfect sacrifice the old testament talked about killing animals and making sacrifices for sins but the old testament prophesied there's coming a messiah who once and for all would shed his blood for our sins because as hebrews tells us without the shedding of blood there's no forgiveness of sins so you may feel like your life is a mess you may feel like there's nothing you can do about it and you may be right about that What you can do is turn to Jesus, the one who lived a sinless life, a perfect life. That's why he and he alone was perfectly qualified to pay the sacrifice for our sins on that cross. You really believe that happened, ladies and gentlemen? You really believe when they laid him in that borrowed tomb, as prophecy foretold, he'd be laid in a borrowed tomb, that three days later he'd come back to life? You really believe that happened? If you really believe that, you can be saved even today. The promises of God will be secure for you. That victory, you can put your name in the blank there. That victory was won for you. 
If you're unsure of that today, would you bow and just pray with me for a moment? Listen, you don't ever get caught up in repeating the words of some preacher somewhere. Salvation is about the attitude of your heart. If you've never been saved, you say, well, Mike, I'm a pretty good person. I joined a church. I got sprinkled or dunked, baptized. But I just don't know if I died, I'd go to heaven. First John, First John chapter 5 and verse 13 says, you can know that you have eternal life. If you're unsure of that, you pray something like this from your heart to God. God, I know I'm not perfect. I've made a lot of mistakes and messes in my life. God knows it anyway, might as well admit it to him. You really believe Jesus was born of a virgin? It's the only way he could live a sinless life was to be born of a virgin. You really believe he never sinned? Say, God, I believe that my Savior never sinned. You really believe what we talk about on Good Friday, they nailed him to an old rugged cross? You really believe that? Say, God, I believe that is a historical and a theological fact that happened. You really believe what the prophecy said, that he was going to rise from the dead. You say, God, I believe Jesus stepped out of that tomb for me. Admit that to the Father. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. Ask him to come into your life, to take control and to be the boss. The word Lord just means boss. He's in control of your life. Ask him to save you today. Ask him to give you a new purpose for living. Ask him to help you to walk in that victory. You say, preacher, I know I'm a Christian, but I sure haven't been living like it. Why I've allowed the fears of today and the uncertainties of this coronavirus to cause me to live in a bubble and a shell of fear. And I've not done the things I ought to do. I've not been sharing the gospel with other people. Maybe you've turned to cheap substitutes, a bottle of pill or a cheap fill, thrill to fill the void in your heart that only Jesus could fill. You say, Mike, I know I'm a Christian, but I've gotten away from that. You just pray right now what 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, you admit that to the Father. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and he's just to forgive and cleanse of all unrighteousness. Doesn't matter what you've done. Ask the Lord to give you a brand new start. Thank him for his grace. Thank him for his victory. Father, hear the prayers of your people this morning. Your word says the angels in heaven rejoice if only one person does that. God, I believe somebody watching in their home or listening in their vehicle, I believe somebody today caused a celebration to break out in heaven because they gave their heart to you. And your, your word tells us the angels rejoice when that happens. Lord, for believers who've gotten caught up in fear, who've gotten caught up in sin, thank you that you allow U-turns. Help us to walk in the victory of your resurrection and help us to be faithful to share that with other people. And we'll give you all glory for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Hey, listen, the Bible says the angels in heaven rejoice. We at Airline Baptist Church, we'd love to rejoice with you. You can just comment in the comment section there, wherever you're watching on social media, or send us an email through our church webpage. We want to help you. We want to pray for you as you start your new journey with the Lord. You say, well, I don't know what's the first step. Where do I start? I don't even have a Bible. We'd love to mail you a copy of God's Word. We'd love to send you some literature to help you get started right. If you say, preacher, today I just recommitted my life to the Lordship of Christ. I had a lady from my hometown message me and tell me that she did that last week as we observed communion together in our living rooms, wherever you were. She said, that's exactly what I needed. God gave me a new start today. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to rejoice with you. Perhaps you have other needs, other prayer requests. You can email us or comment. We count it an honor. When somebody trusts you with a prayer request, that is a compliment. They trust you and your walk with the Lord. I'm telling you, whatever you need, 
Jesus' victory has secured that, and the one who knows you the best loves you the most. I know how much I love and miss my church family. I know how much I love and miss my biological family. But the one that knows you the best, Jesus, loves you the most. Have a blessed day. Let's live in the reality. Let's live in the victory of that resurrection. God bless you. Have a blessed Resurrection Sunday. God sent his son. They called him Jesus. He came to love, heal, and forgive. He lived and died to buy my pardon. An empty grave is there to prove my Savior lives because he Because he lives